let's all take the mindset of the latest and greatest rapper of our time, J. Cole. When he says, now I ain't no dummy to think I'm above criticism. So when I see something that's valid, I listen. This is Security Today. Welcome to Security Today, Episode 3. I am the security industry's most open-minded Uncle Uncle Bear. That's B-A-E-R. Follow me right now on Instagram and Twitter at Uncle B-A-E-R underscore and this podcast on Instagram at Security Today Podcast. You already know what it is. You're here. Welcome back. This is Episode 3. We're in full swing of the season. If you're brand new to the show, I got good news. This is Season 2, which means you have a whole season to binge listen to and tell all your friends about, and your mother, right? She wants to know. And if you're back on this episode, welcome back, my avid listeners. You're becoming a uh, Security Today head. I don't, Security Today pod head. I don't know what to call you yet. I'm working on a name. We'll get t-shirts. We'll form a dodgeball team. It'll be great. And, uh, but welcome back. I'm so glad to have you. Um, and let's get into it. Why not? Starting with what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. If you don't know, now you know. Here it goes. Paxton panders to COVID. <laughs> But they actually have a good product, so we'll get into that a little bit. Access control causes some headaches, and the Wonder Gods IPVM, which I'll tell you more about if you don't know, they address it. And then we're going to spend a couple minutes or more in group attribution error theory. Now let me give a little bit of a disclaimer. This one gets a little heady. It might take a second listen, but it definitely will take a little introspective deep dive and it'll help you broaden your horizons. Look, it's not easy saving the world, people. We gotta know, so let's get it. Now, first off, we're gonna do a shout out. We do a shout out every week on the Instagram platform. That's the main platform that Security Today Podcast works on. So I make sure that I shout out the best and the brightest in the industry that that I've been following and seeing for a while. And let me tell you right now, I am not gonna disappoint. Your shout out this week goes to Libertas Ray at L-I-B-E-R-T-A-S-R-A-Y. Ray owns Libertas Consulting out in Pennsylvania and is one of the real ones, homies. He's a powerhouse in the low volt uh, and the low volt nation and a good heart leading projects like uh, with the Low Voltage Na- Nation collab at Craven Hall and his giving program where he turns into Santa Ray. You just missed that, but you can go back and look and uh, where he's spreading cheer just this year. Now, I've known this guy for a little bit and his pure quality deserves your follow. So check his page and give him a follow and let him know that Unc sent you. That's at Libertas Ray on Instagram. And let me tell you, for that one, folks... You're welcome. Okay, let's get into some chit-chat. Access control is an ever-growing and ever-changing field. I don't know how long you've been in it or if you're in it at all, but this thing has gone left, right, up, down, and sideways. It's finding new ways to integrate and push the envelope on this in the security industry. And we can see that through like products like the HID uh, pushing the OSDP protocol, which we talked about just a couple weeks ago. But IPVM asks good questions and they attack issues of some of the headaches that it takes to install an access control system and what it what to look out for in the future. If you don't have an IPVM.com subscription, I'm going to tell you right now, 
right here that you need to go grab one. All right, call it a late Christmas present or something. IPVM is independent. They are not driven by the dollars from an industry manufacturer or leader, and they test products all over the board, and they are honest about them. Unfiltered information is the most resourceful, and they do a really good job at trying to keep the biases and the filters off and just presenting the facts. So after taking surveys and polls, uh, when it comes to access control, the key problems that were cited are these problems. I just want to just chit chatting a little bit about this. But look, most people said that it was either too expensive, it was dated software, difficult to use or integrate. And then the third problem was like old doors, worn locks and mechanical parts. So nearly 75% of the integrators that took this survey call out many end users are unpleasantly surprised by the higher than expected estimates for access. And if you're in access control, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're like, yo, man, I need the 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 jams on this front door right here. I need the mag lock, the reader, the, the exit button and all that and make it up to code. I want it on my phone. I want to be able to get alerts when I'm sleeping to let me know if something's going down. And you're like, yeah, that's no problem. An average door and access is probably 2500 but what you're looking for might be a little bit whoa 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 i was thinking maybe you could do this for like 350 okay we all know we all have been there and comments confirm this like quote the cost for a proper system we can do super cheap access control but the clients are not aware of the limitations or features or cost people think that they uh, can do a door for under a grand and it's just not realistic. These are what the people were saying when they were doing the survey, the integrators, right? Another common issue mentioned was the lack of supported integration between systems and overall dated interference of cumbersome operation. So in some cases, a dated software platform lacks difference making options like cloud or mobile, or it may require extended operation times to do minor tasks. Like enrollment was specifically mentioned as one example that took a long Long time in some of these dated softwares, lacking factors integrate uh, integrations with other system integrated integrations with other systems can delay a sale even longer as the customer may continue to look for solutions that don't exist. And finally, another issue is the door or the door hardware that doesn't work well or properly. Now, if you know season one, you know we talked about the health of the door. This is a major component to access control. And if you're doing access, you need to make sure that in your site survey, you're taking notes because if that door is warped or rusted or the hinges are bad or it doesn't fit well in the frame or if it's, you know, solid or fire rated or all this other stuff, you need to know that before you're just like, hey, here's the price to put a, a strike on it because strikes over mags till the day I die. And uh, that that's definitely something that you have to look out for. So look, YouTube, Google, and um, conventions, they can all teach you a ton of stuff that, that you can really put ahead of yourself and, and, and get in that game. Um, and I would encourage you to do that because access control systems can be pain points. They can be headaches. We all know that. So getting as much information before and making sure that the customer has accurate information right off the bat, being honest about the situation, well, that's going to make all of those pain points and headaches just a little bit less. So figure out how to do that and uh, DM me if you got like something that you're like, oh, don't forget about this. I always forget about this and this is what I have to do. So get at me on Instagram at Uncle B-A-E-R underscore. Let's talk about our product highlight. 
Paxton came up with a solution by adding a feature to their Net2 platform. Paxton is an access control uh, provider. It comes in the wake of COVID and the pandemic, allowing people to have a checkpoint at certain spots to gain more access into the building. So Paxton says checkpoint control adds functionality to help Net2 users protect employees and visitors by monitoring and approving people as they enter buildings. The checkpoint control functionality followed or follows on from Paxton's successful introduction of Net2 occupancy management and integration with thermal scanning hardware. So basically, you can partition off different points of your building, and then when they get to a checkpoint, they have it coupled with an automated or manual action such as a temperature scan that will ensure that you don't have a fever, and then it will let you into more of the building. Advertised... As a COVID solution, this is the stupidest feature I've heard of. So your uncle has opinions. What of it? But this feature is something that could prove very useful outside the realm of COVID. Look, with the misinfo, crazy statistics, fear and loathing that this pandemic has brought on to us, it doesn't seem too applicable to make someone who works on an inner partition scan at the entrance, then at this checkpoint or an employee that needs to access the inner partition at 10 a.m. have to rescan for a temperature to get it to another part of the building at 10.30 a.m. I, I just don't see this as a hot sale point, all right? the fe- Look, I, I get COVID's out there, but listen, the feature itself is very cool. You can have a sensitive part of your building or a partition the building where upper management is in an area that might interact with HR or a lowly call center, but you want to verify people who gain access to that. You could tag no passback with read in, read out on this uh, on this certain sector of staff that doesn't require access 24-7 to this part of the building, but got verified to be in that area through a checkpoint. So the checkpoint could have like a manual guard allowing people through or facial recognition so that it's logged in and you set it up like a virtual safety deposit box and the call center staff needs like a dual reading from a management staff at the checkpoint control or something like that. I'm a big fan of the feature because it is simple. It's not too intrusive. You're not adding too much on to what they're already having to do for your security policies uh, to add, and it adds just that other concentric ring of security. Look, but to market it as COVID and temp readings and all that other shit, it seems like the marketing department got a hold of this and none of them had ever turned a screw or pulled a wire. And if you sold this, I want to know how it went, okay, with the COVID jazz. Like, tell me if you pitched this and sold this, DM me. If you've installed this, I want to know how it went. How easy was it to set up? And if you think that I'm being a douche about this whole product, well, just don't DM me. But if you think it's cool and you want to pitch a different side to the story, well, like I said, uh, aforementioned before, shoot me a DM. I'm open-minded. I'm just saying it bugs me. When people come out and they pander to what's going on in society, when security is itself holds itself strong, it holds itself to a higher standard. You don't need to have that to pitch that or to sell it. It could be a feature within this checkpoint control, but for it to be the main digs of why you're selling it out here, ah, I don't know. I don't know. DM me and let me know that you think I'm wrong. Okay, look, let's get into some meat. Now, remember, This one is heady. So deep breath. 
here we go. Okay, so I was pursuing secure, or I was perusing, not pursuing, perusing security management magazine one night, and I think I had a glass of wine, like the boss that I am, and I'm laying in bed like a 55-year-old man in a sitcom, like a 55-year-old dad as I stumble across the article, Group Attribution Error, The Most Pervasive and Potential Threat of Our Day by John McClurg, who serves as Senior Vice President, CISO, and Ambassador at Large in BlackBerry's Silence Office of Security and Trust. McClurg previously was a CSO at Dell, Vice President of Global Security at Honeywell, uh, Lucent Technologies, Bell Laboratories, and in the U.S. intelligence community as a twice-decorated member of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So I was like, okay, okay, (laughs) you got a pass, John, we get it. What is the potential threat that you speak of? I'm here to listen. And then I read the article, and I was on it. I was like, yeah, deal, I'm in. I'll put it on blast. So here we go. Let's see, where should I start? So you know that your Uncle Bear likes theory, okay? I like to pitch that in there as much as I can. So hermeneutics is something that you should know about as a way to approach life. So from the Stanford Encyclopedia, it says, hermeneutics as a methodology of interpretation is concerned with problems that arise when dealing with meaningful human actions and the products of such actions, most importantly, texts. So as a methodological discipline, it offers a toolbox of efficiently treating problems of the interpretation of human actions, texts, and other meaningful material. Hermeneutics looks back at a long tradition as the set of problems it addresses have been uh, prevalent in human life and have repeatedly and consistently called for consideration, okay? All that to say, this process is more colloquially known as interpretation theory. Today, the data points that can inform any interpretation are growing exponentially due to the day of data, and they are surpassing our ability to cognitively wrap our minds around those data points. We're just being flooded, inundated with What we need to know, those data points are massively growing. And this is a challenge in whatever sphere you operate in, especially be it physical or cybersecurity. So hermeneutics is trying to take human problems and look at it from every angle. And with so much data, it's something that we have to rest back into as we do to kind of gain an understanding of what is actually happening in front of us. The possibility of committing uh, what is known as cognitive research as a group attribution error looms large, and it's what John McClurg calls the most pervasive and potentially consequential risk of our day. And you're like, okay, Unc, I thought you were, like, I think you thought you had a cigar and a vodka in hand, diving into the deep mysteries of the cosmos as you and your old buddy sit around the campfire, but you're on a Security Today podcast. What does that have to do with that? Look, I know that, so hear me out, hear me out. The group attribution error refers to people's tendency to believe one of two things, okay? Number one, that the characteristics of an individual group member are reflective of the group as a whole, or that a group's decision outcome must reflect the preferences of the individual group members, even when external information is available suggesting otherwise. 
Now, come on. Does that tell me? Does that sound familiar? And 2020 gives a resounding amen, right? That the characteristics of an individual group member in a group are reflective of the group as a whole. That is not true. We've seen that from political to, you know, cultural to whatever topic you had to deal with in 2020. You saw that or you saw a group's decision outcome, meaning that it reflects on the judgment of the individual group members when they might not actually believe like that. So not that the group attribution error sounds scary enough for society, but Oliver Cornell published in uh, Society of Personality and Social Psychology a paper that was called Threat and Group Attribution Error, when threat elicits judgment of extremity and homogeneity. So when f- uh, uh, where further studies suggested that threatening groups are viewed as being both more extreme and more homogenous. It's an expanding chasm. While the term originated within the discipline of cognitive science, it's a phenomenon reflecting uh, or reflected with increasing frequency in daily newscasts and in many aspects of the cybersecurity and the physical security world. McClurg puts it well, saying that the possibility of falling prey to group attribution error is exasperated both by the porosity? Yeah, man, porosity that undermines the distinctions we could confidently make between an individual and their associated group, as well as the cognitive limits of rationality that we as humans carry around with us. There are only so many data points that the human can comprehend, so group attribution error occurs as we attempt to... to a convenient shortcut called an abstraction in formulating an interpretation based on just a quick glance of something. Falling to consider, failing to consider all the possible data that is at play. Now, we have a year of exponential growth in people committing the group attribution error. I would say that I've been a part of it at times, from police officers, police brutality, political right and left, the BLM, the Proud Boys, our chasm is expanding and the threat is becoming greater. From a physical security aspect, this does several things. This is why I wanted to give it a a little bit of a, a hot mic time, because when it comes to the physical security realm, first, it makes our trade more important than ever. If anything has been shown to us over the last year, or so, it's that we're not safe. Protest and damage could literally be at the front door of our businesses or even our home or our clients' businesses or our clients' homes, driving quality installs and implementations are going to protect, save, and secure the community around us. So it's unfortunate that group attribution error is causing people to go so extreme, to let those extreme groups become even more homogenous and isolated and seen as an extreme threat, and then clashing with other groups or clashing with other beliefs, and we're missing empathy and kindness, and that causes the clients that come to us and say, hey, I would like access on my front door, not just as like, I don't know, 2003, oh, I'd like access on my front door, this is pretty cool, but like, hey, this could actually be a problem to my business if this decided to hit my street, right? So, The second thing that it does is we need to keep this error out of our industry. There are hiccups like AI bias, 
that lead to this era. If you don't know about it, look into it. And for the most part, our industry is doing well, but as individuals, we are the doorways into our industry. So we need to make sure that our minds are open, that we are kind, that we have empathy, and that we understand that a group member might not necessarily reflect the group, and a group might not necessarily reflect the group number, or the group member, sorry. We need to keep that at the forefront. This calls for a stronger commitment within our security community to a new consideration of diversity outside historic biases unduly influenced by the group attribution error. The defeat of this error is simple. Empathy and kindness. Like I said, we must be kind to one another, to those outside our industry and that don't understand what we're doing and to communities and families that we, that we have around us. Take all the data points coming out of those screens and take them as a grain of salt until they are researched, backed by sound evidence, and all sides are heard out. This sounds off the cuff as something that isn't security-based, but fam, make sure that you understand empathy and kindness and avoiding the group attribution error is security. That's a security. That is making sure that security isn't just in the hardware, but it's in our heads, our lives, the, the groups and the spheres that we affect. And as it plays a direct cause and effect to our physical industry, as we try every day to install and execute systems that protect the individual, as the group attribution error is wrecking the world around us, this is a security thing. And that's exactly why I wanted to bring it up. Okay, okay, breathe, breathe, breathe. I know that was heavy. That was heavy, okay? But let that rest on your heart. Be kind, be empathetic. Try to remove the biases within you and try to see everything as working together, not working against. And that right, right there will, first of all, protect the security industry sphere that you are the doorway to. And it will begin to take, make you take your pride more or your I'm sorry, make you take your craft with more pride and take it more seriously so that your installs are clean, effective, and that they last a long time and that they actually protect the clients and the homes that you're putting them in? Okay. That's it. That's it. Go ahead. Go run along now. Your uncle's done ranting at you. But nah, nah, check it out, fam. You guys are doing great. I see you on Instagram. You guys are reaching out, getting involved, tagging, and doing all this other stuff. And we have a really good community there. So if that, if you're not on Instagram and you're in low volt, then you need to be on Instagram. So you can just plug into the community. The security and the physical security community is doing excellent there. And I want us to continue to do that. So that's it for security today. I know that's a deep and heady one. And it wasn't about a new Honeywell alarm. So maybe it wasn't what you expected, but it is what you needed so be kind be empathetic we're all out here learning and growing and remember that i am uncle bear at uncle b-a-e-r underscore and this show is at security today podcast on instagram and i want to thank you for all the love and support and if you haven't listened to season one check it out it's still relevant and if you have then great you've already told your mother about it and i'm proud about that so i'm gonna go now go tell your body or your buddies go tell your boss go tell your cat and remember be the best technician you can be sincerely your uncle in security that, that maybe I should get a little quote there going. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I'll see you next time on the Physical Security and Life Safety's number one podcast, Security Today. Farewell. <laughs>